also, I'm sorry. No, I won't be sitting. I will sit like like this. Nicole likes to have good posture so she can project. No, that's not true. I don't like to have good posture because I got teased for my good posture. I think good posture is lovely. Yeah, I think so now. And I wish that I hadn't let my friends teasing me. That's also why I stopped saying big and take and flake. Maybe you should. I was teased. Maybe you should talk about that in this podcast. That women should, it's good to have good posture and don't let friends tease you. Don't let friends tease you. Welcome to this 80th episode of the Engage and Equip podcast. This is a resource that's designed to help form substantive disciples for the local church. In this episode, you're going to hear from lead pastor Nick Gibson, his assistant Jill Reese, and the director of worship arts, Nicole Kyle. In this episode, they're going to be going through session four of Escaping Babel. Reminder, Escaping Babel is this mini-series that we've been doing where we've been talking about issues of gender and sexuality and life stages and how having a proper understanding of those things can save us from a lot of confusion and frustration and future misery. Specifically in this episode, they're going to be talking about advice for young women. So, welcome to the episode. Hey everybody, welcome to the Engage and Equip podcast. This is Nick Gibson. I'm here with Nicole Kyle, our worship director, former crew staff, and general person who experiences being a woman. Yes. And uh, Jill Reese, who is my assistant, uh, but she is enormously overqualified to be such. We we call her my research assistant sometimes just for fun because that sounds more important. And she does a lot of research. And I'm Nick Gibson, pastor here at High Point Church, and we are doing another in the Escaping Babel series, which has been about life stages and gender in relationship to maturing in the kind of life God has called us to have as stewards. So with this, and so last time we got together, we attempted to do a a podcast on the part of the class we did called Advice for Young Women. And we basically um, talked about emotional attachment for an hour more than an hour yeah it was number one on the list yeah but specifically in relationship to like uh, adultery and fidelity and so that hopefully you enjoyed that podcast if you listen to it but we're gonna actually do the rest of the list today for young women Mm -hmm. so here we go Mm -hmm. all right so we did number one as we mentioned which is about emotional emotional attachment um but two is similar um it says don't make yourself available to someone who isn't into you but who you like in hopes that something will work out and again we're referencing this um advice for women document that is found on our website at highpointchurch.org slash escaping babble but yes the idea that um you would try to make something work as a woman in a relationship with a man who doesn't seem to be initiating with you but you really want something to work out so what do you guys think that could look like I'm eating a Chick-fil-A biscuit because because Chick-fil-A is one of our sponsors. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Nicole. Um, I think that this is something that's really easy to do because I, I think as we were talking before recording this, a lot of these just have to do with this longing that women have to be in a relationship. And I think it's a natural longing. I don't think that, 
anyone like I don't think you should feel bad that you have this desire to be married someday and to be in a relationship but I think that it's so easy to try and control that and hold on to that and Mm -hmm. force it to happen and so some of the other ones um some of the other things we're going to get to talk about this some of the other topics talk about this a little bit more but um I think it comes down to in some ways really understanding that it comes down to your trust in God's provision for you and God's Mm -hmm. care for you and that he does care for you and want good things for you. And so it's not that that's easy, but um, I think that we, that we'll talk about this more as we move on to some of these other ones that really emphasize your relationship with God. But that's the Mm -hmm. first thing that comes to mind for me in thinking about this is understanding that God is a good father who cares for you. Mm and wants to give good gifts to you. And if right now you're not in a relationship with this person that you really want to be in a relationship with, but who isn't into you, who isn't interested, you've got to trust that God has a plan for you that apparently does not include this person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that especially if the man is relatively masculine, that that woman is going to be giving into the relationship, the kind of stuff that men want to get out of relationships, like receiving admiration, being listened to things like that. And the woman is giving all that emotional energy and he's probably not thinking I'm getting what I want out of this relationship. I really am obligated to give back what she wants out Mm -hmm. of this. Like people don't naturally think in those terms when they're receiving stuff that they want. Right. And, um, it's important to realize that like men will just receive that and mm-hmm. either be oblivious to it or not pay attention mm-hmm. to what's happening. And you're, you're also signaling, but if you're doing that with a man, you're also signaling to other men that you're not emotionally available, mm-hmm. which is a, which is a problem if you want to be yeah. with somebody because other men aren't going to approach you. Yeah. Right. And this also gets back to the sort of quote age old question in the, um, in the present ages of gender stupidity, which is <laughs> can a man and a woman be friends? Mm hmm in a deep sense specifically relative to each other. Right. So there's not, you know, not in a part of a group of friends or colleagues and a staff team or something like, mm-hmm. something like that, but like, can your best, you're a very good friend to be a mm-hmm. woman. And man, that is really, really difficult for me realistically to imagine given what I know about men and women. Mm-hmm. I don't want to tell you to say it's impossible and there's nothing in the Bible that says men and women can't be friends. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause they can be especially if they're godly to a certain extent, but they're still men and women and men and women are made to bond with each other. Mm-hmm. And you're always, you're always kind of managing that. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, um, so that if that, this guy turns around and shows interest mm-hmm. in you, it'll be because a certain kind of bonding has snuck up on him. Yeah. But it's also very likely he's going to repent of that after something happens. So that's one of the reasons why it's fairly common for like, some night the guy just like makes out with you or like has sex with you or something. And then it, your relationship ends within Mm. 48 hours Mm -hmm. permanently. Mm -hmm. Like that's normally what happens because he'll slide into like, Mm -hmm. Oh, she's always here. But, and that'll lead to a sexual bonding outburst basically. And then he'll be, and then he'll think something like, later afterwards, after all the hormones get released, right? Mm -hmm. After that, he'll be like, wait, I don't want to do this for 35 years, right? He'll be, he'll be really mm-hmm. committed for the night, but then he'll be like, wait, no, this isn't the person I'm after. And then, and so then you'll feel humiliated, hurt, and mm-hmm. you've lost all this time. And 
Mm-hmm. It's almost like dating somebody who's not serious about you. Because mm-hmm. nobody else is going to ask you out. Mm-hmm. And you're going to feel betrayed. And it's going to end with a romantic thing that you didn't want. You wanted, but you didn't want. Mm-hmm. And so on. I think this gets back to in the class, Nick, when we were talking about stealing from your a future version of yourself. Right. And future versions of other people. Um, because you're you're it's trying to contrive something um, that probably won't happen. And... You're just wasting time. And it's really hard. It like Nicole is mentioning, we all have these desires that are that God gave us to bond with other people and to want to be in a, a permanent, committed relationship. So that's all really good. But I think um, we can take that and try to make it happen for ourselves in ways that it's not supposed to. Yeah, let me make a quick point about about something related to this that appeals to a lot of these mm-hmm. things, which is um, how your delaying relationships, mm-hmm. whether you're a man or a woman, affects everyone. Yeah. We want to believe that, like, f- for every man and every woman, there is the one, which is the, their proper mm-hmm. match, and that they will find that person eventually. And basically, you're searching for that one person in a big stack of people. That's absolutely not how these relationships happen. Mm-hmm. People pair off on the basis of availability, right? They look around at who's available. And they pick the best person they think that they can get with. And then they build the romantic attachment with each other. And almost anybody can marry anybody. That's just, it's just, that's how humans are. Men and women bond with each other. And then you either build into the relationship or you don't. Right. So um, whenever anybody delays pairing off, they delay all the other Mm -hmm. decisions of pairing off that are predicated on the people pairing off. And, Sadly, that's often based on what people perceive as looks. And and the prettiest people often delay the pairing off the longest because they're holding out for the very best in their minds. And what that does is it creates enormous disarray in the entire like pairing off process. And so every, you know, people are hooking up but they're not really pairing off and then everybody's delayed. And it creates havoc. I mean just mm-hmm. enormous havoc and loneliness and frustration frustration and all these negative consequences and nobody dreams that that's happening but Mm -hmm. it is happening and it's undeniable Mm -hmm. that that's happening Mm -hmm. and so i think there is you have a christian duty to not delay Mm -hmm. the basic nature of bonding with another person Mm -hmm. i think because because literally hundreds of people because every one of these pair-offs affects other pair-offs affects other pair-offs affect other pair-offs mm-hmm. and these these ripples just go out now 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 and you have no idea how many people you're affecting and i think it's one of the reasons why having a fairly rigid moral standard and living by it is incredibly important right and so that, that's true for both men and women is in this case it's probably more true for men yeah but in that's, this case it would relate to women mm-hmm. i was thinking about that too because i think one of the things and we're going to keep talking about this is that uh for women, if they want to be in a relationship where the men are taking leadership mm-hmm. and taking the initiative in that relationship, it is a long waiting game and it can be, and it can be frustrating as a woman to feel like I, I just have to sit and kind of wait mm-hmm. and we can talk more about that. Yeah. I know some women have questions about, can I ask a guy out on a date? But if there are any guys who are listening to this, when Nick, when you were talking, I was just thinking about this is like free agency in basketball in the NBA, when everyone's waiting to see where LeBron is going to go before they decide what they're going to do on their team. And so if you're a yeah. guy... And how much they can get. And how much they can get. And right. which players are left over and who wants to go mm-hmm. be on the Lakers with LeBron. Like everything else is delayed because that one person is mm-hmm. taking their sweet time to decide where they want to go. And mm-hmm. so if you're a guy, like 
this is maybe the most flattering thing I'll ever say to you, but you are LeBron in this situation. Like there are a lot of other people who are waiting. And if you just keep delaying what you're doing, you're, there are ripple effects, especially if you're like a strong man and women like you. Yes. Cause there may be four or five women waiting to see the call you make. Yes. And they're not going to pair off with another guy until you make your call. Yeah. And I've, I've seen that in the church mm-hmm. where you'll have one guy who's like, he's got a good job. He's pretty handsome. He's not much more handsome, but he's the most handsome guy available. Or also the most godly <clears throat> that they want yes. to be with. Yeah. And sometimes people who are godly in some ways are not godly in this way. Mm-hmm. And I've seen guys just kind of like string this whole yeah. thing along. And, mm-hmm. and if man, you if you aren't interested, then then maybe make that very known. Like if you're like, look, I feel like right now God has called me to singleness and that's that, and I'm not looking for a relationship, then make that clear so that the women don't keep waiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I feel like number three is similar to what you guys were talking about and delaying things as well is um, if a woman makes herself available to a man. You better read what three is because I don't. Yeah, people I'm might. sorry. Yes. So don't have sex with your boyfriend is number three. <laughs> um, and I think this gets into the delaying things for yourself topic because just as if you are making yourself available to him emotionally and you're making yourself available available to him physically there's no reason actually for him to commit to you because you're basically fulfilling a companion role in his life and so and that might even be like your friends and like nick was talking about that accidentally happens because he feels bonded to you and then there's just a lot of hurt that happens Um, but if you're in a relationship with your boyfriend and you're having sex there's not a a big motivator to get married. Yeah. Yeah. And I think some people will be like, well, you know, but you know, guys aren't bad people and, but it's always a perverse incentive for one party and a pair to get what exactly what they want mm-hmm. and another party not to. Mm-hmm. And that's just what you're doing is the man is getting mainly what he wants out of the relationship and the woman isn't getting mainly what she wants out of the relationship in terms of, especially in terms of commitment. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's all that always, that puts the highest possible level of stress on people's virtue. Mm-hmm. And if you are not obeying the biblical commands about sexual purity and restraint, then there's already evidence that your capacity to live at the highest level of moral virtue is compromised. Mm-hmm. And so you don't want to add a, whenever you know you're a little bit morally compromised in terms of your discipline and self-control, you don't want to add in perverse incentives because that makes doing the right thing harder. Yeah. Whenever you know that you're a little bit morally compromised that way um, or a lot morally compromised that way, you want to, you want no perverse incentives. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think um, a lot of the conversations that we've had about, particularly about physical relationships and having sex. We've, we've talked about it in this way and I think this is part of it, but I also think that there are women where it's not, um, it's not actually only the emotional reason that they want to have sex. They want to have sex because physically they want to have sex with their boyfriend Mm -hmm. and they might be in a relationship where they have committed to each other or they're engaged. And so they are, they already have that commitment and they also just really want to have sex and that, uh, the physical desire, that's another... So yeah, that's just another reason. It's not only the emotional reason. And so I think it's important to talk about that too. Yes, but, absolutely yeah. true. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we've talked about that very much. No, you're absolutely right. And but yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think there are a handful of things, but I, I do believe that this comes again to... And I, 
yeah, this comes back to, do you trust that God has your best in mind and that there is a purpose? And even if you don't understand it, there is a purpose that he is intended for sex to just be within marriage. Yeah. And you, you've got to grapple with that and wrestle with that. But it comes down to whether or not you trust him. And if you don't trust him in this area, there are probably other areas that you don't realize that are seeping in that you don't trust him. And if something terrible happens to you, that is going to be when you realize you have a lot of holes in your fortress, in your relationship with God. And this might be one area where that's creeping in. And and I think too, Nick, what you were talking about, about whether or not, th- or what this has to say about your virtue. This is another area where if you, if you and your, let's say it's in the context of an engagement and you're engaged to this person and you guys think, you know what, it's fine. Like we know that God says that this is just for marriage, but we are already committed to each other and we are super attracted to each other and we just, we want to have sex and you have sex. When you get into the thick of marriage and there are other things that are going to be coming at you, this is an area where you might find you run into more issues in your trust with one another in the context of a marriage or your um, the, the strength and stability of your relationship with God because you realize, oh, they, they didn't, they weren't willing to submit to God's authority in this instance. And now you're seeing it in an, in an even more, mm-hmm. an even more important instance or a greater instance. Yeah. So let me, let me, I think, let me see if I can summarize what you're saying this way. There is no such thing as a human being that doesn't obey God in the sexual realm entirely, but does in everything else. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think, and I, that one of the things that I think is helpful too is obeying God sexually, especially before you're married, if you're younger, right? I think you do it all the time, but especially in those years, it's basically practice for obeying God in everything else yes. because you're fighting these profound urges that are rooted in your biology. They're extremely strong. You have a very difficult time imagining why this isn't okay. Like everything is kind of stacked against you. And so if you can exert the kind of faith and self-control necessary to engage in sexual purity or approximate it as close as you possibly can, you are by proxy training on everything else in relationship to godliness for the rest of your life. And there will be many gut checks. Mm-hmm. And if you can make this one, then your spouse and you know that you can make the future ones. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, then mm-hmm. there's always this question mark, like the next one we hit, will he make it? Will she make mm-hmm. it? Right. And I just, and women are, women are not better than men in the area of promiscuity. They're mm-hmm. just as bad for, 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 I think, slightly different reasons. Men have yeah. a very profound biological drive I think men and women both enjoy sex. I think men have a stronger biological drive to have sex. Um, but I think women feel the risk of not having sex in a different way than men do. And that creates a heightened temptation. If I don't do this, I'm not going to get what I want. I think what the man feels is an extreme biological urge to get this thing that he physically wants. Mm-hmm. And then both of them are foregoing enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Right in sex, which is a, yeah. which, but to forego something, I think is easier than fear that you're not going to get what you want, or an extreme mm-hmm. what feels like an extreme internal drive to do something that is compelling. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I think that's why we talk about those two things more. But I think foregoing the pleasure of sex is also a very real mm-hmm. thing, especially when you can't 
you're not compelled by the reasons why not to. But that is fundamental to godliness, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that you don't have to understand all the reasons for right. God's commands. Absolutely. It's your job to do to them. To do them, mm-hmm. to obey them. And I, I think that it also comes back to, I think about this a lot with in relationship to the curse that the temptation for woman for the woman was to be over her man or her husband. And I think that, that it's a control thing. Sexuality and sex is also a control thing. Mm-hmm. And it's a desire to be in control of the relationship because you can use your sexuality to control the person that you're with. Absolutely. And Especially an, women. Yeah, yes. I think there is there is a something deep within women who, that want to be in control of that relationship and they see that sex is a way to do that. I think that the emotional things that we've spent a lot of time talking about are always there mm-hmm. and they can be these things that these consequences you become aware of later. Um mm-hmm. but I I just have experienced a lot of conversations with women where that wasn't what was conscious in their head was I want to give them this sex so that they'll stay committed in my relationship. Right. It was more the I want to be in control or I want this pleasure and then later those emotional things mm-hmm. came into play. Yeah, yeah, it's all very subtle and so I think a lot of what we talked about in the last episode, Escaping Babel episode, I think comes into play just really having gut checks with little tiny steps yeah. as you move forward in relationships to figure out what your primary motivation actually is, which is hard when you are in the process of of bonding with someone because yeah. Nick talked about last time that there's hormones that are very powerful <laughs> and take over and it, it affects how you think, but to yeah. really um, be in step with the spirit and considering your motivations right and sexual purity is one of those things where in order to be successful you almost certainly need other people helping you yeah Mm -hmm. and you also need to think ahead it's not sexual purity is not the sort of thing that like in the moment when temptation arises Mm -hmm. you'll be successful being like oh i need to not do this Mm-hmm. Like if you wait till temptation is at its full yeah. and then you go, oh, I shouldn't do this. You're going to fail. Mm-hmm. And so be, sexual purity is a training ground to say, be like, okay, wait, I need to understand human nature. I need to understand the kind of creature I am. And I need to understand what I will do in, if I'm put in certain situations. Mm-hmm. And then I need to do whatever is necessary to never be put in that situation. And so there, and this gets to another quick point, which is this. I don't know of any th- command of God that I've ever struggled to obey especially those that I didn't understand their purpose. That if I had the mindset of, I'm going to do the thing I'm told to do, and I'm going to have an open mind about what I can learn about God, because I actually am going to find stuff out when I obey. Mm-hmm. That I can't. I, I know of no situation where I didn't learn a ton about God's ways and his mm-hmm. character and about my nature mm-hmm. by obeying him and then seeing how it played out. You, st- you can learn if you have the right kind of open mind through failure, Mm-hmm. Um, but if you say, well, why should God demand this of me? That's so just wrong of him. And I can't believe blah, blah, blah. And then you just go and do it anyway. You're going to do it. You're going to reap the consequences and you're going to learn nothing yeah. except you're going to become increasingly self-justified in doing whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of this is your mindset. Do you have a mindset of like, God is right. I yep. know he's right. Yep. So I'm going to do the right thing. And I'm going to, I'm going to look and see what he would teach me through this. Mm-hmm. You'll always learn something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you have the self-justifying mindset, you're going to do whatever you want and you're going to learn nothing. That's the, that, that's mm-hmm. faith. That's the difference between faith and not faith. Yeah. And you're going to feel far from God. Yes. Like I've mm-hmm. talked with multiple women who feel far from God and it seems separate from the, the choices they're making, especially in this aspect. But right. I think, I mean, God is near to those who obey him and, and who, 
I mean, it will, there will be times of his hiddenness, no matter what you do. But I think, um, there's a real effect of like, where, where is God when you are, when you are sinning? Yeah. Okay. We need to move on. Let me, yeah. let me end yeah. 20 seconds on this. There's a lot kind of out right now with, um, sex psychologists and stuff like that about sex positivity that you should just be positive about sex because any kind of shame or whatever brought into sex, like really makes it bad, especially for women. And in, in my view, this has nothing to do with right sex positivity. That there is nothing wrong with sex and marriage. It is a great mm-hmm. good that we should engage in with all joy and generosity with each other and full enjoyment and liberty is absolutely a Christian doctrine. It is as sinful to withhold sex needlessly when you're married as it is to engage in promiscuous sex before you're married. However, that kind of sex positivity is different from the idea that if anybody wants to have sex with anybody else at any time and it's consensual, we should be universally positive about that. And therefore there should be no shame in those kinds of choices. And what that does is it pretends that sex is this thing over here that is unrelated to anything else Mm -hmm. in all of creation, which is manifestly false. Mm -hmm. It's just completely false. And so I think that Christians need to, need to say yes to sex positivity in relationship to the right acts of sex and its enjoyment and say absolutely not to the ridiculous expansive idea that we should be for any kind of sexual expression if it's consensual. Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? Mm -hmm. But that I I hear that concept sex positivity with people and I hear it pushed positively and I'm like, that's a yes and no gig. Yes. In some contexts and absolutely not in others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. The next one um, says pursue God more than a relationship with a man and learn to be content in whatever phase you are in. And what this one is getting at is, the idea that, and this is, this is all again, can be really subtle in your motivations that you might not realize you have, but, um, to feel like when I am married, if you're single, when I'm married, finally, I will be more just happy and it'll be easier to relate with God or to do this next thing that God wants me to do or whatever it is. Um, but you won't actually obtain that contentness, contentedness, by your situation changing. Mm-hmm. This is also similar to number six on the handout. Don't just look for the right person. Focus on mm-hmm. being the right kind of woman. Yeah. 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 And 16, focus deeply on understanding the gospel and growing in godliness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, um, it's, isn't it Tim Keller who talks about idolatry? If blank is going well, then yeah. I am doing well. Yeah. I think that's in the gospel, the gospel in life. Um, but I think that's always been a very helpful test to me to see if something is idolatry for me and I have time and time again realized yep right now in this season of life it's if if my marriage is going well then I'm doing well or if my baby is sleeping through the night then I'm doing well Mm. or if I get pregnant then I'm doing well like those are some of the examples of like they were Mm -hmm. deep in me and it took me a while to be honest and say yep that is Mm -hmm. how I'm feeling and that is idolatry and then I had to really face that and And so I would, if this is something that you find yourself really struggling with, pray and ask the spirit to convict you and show you if this is idolatry and then realize that you need to move away from that idolatry, idolatry, repent of it, confess it, repent and ask God to change your heart and then focus on your relationship with him because he is the only one who is supposed to fill that rightful place of our complete Mm -hmm. worship and devotion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think for those, for those of you who are listening who are not used to talk about idolatry um nicole mentioned things that are clearly positive good things (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so sometimes people think that idolatry just must be only sins but it's not it is 
elevating anything beyond its proper place. And so therefore encroaching on the place that God himself should hold and his truth should hold. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's just important to know that, that an idol can be a very good thing mm-hmm. that is inordinate. It's out of place. Yes. And it's become more than it should be. Um, and that's important. The second thing, one of the things I talk about this is what I sometimes call the Ruth effect. Mm-hmm. And this is similar to, I think what you wrote, uh, Jill in number six, which is, um, women have this idea of the man they want to marry. Yeah. That is not coordinated with the woman that they must become. Mm-hmm. And so in the book of Ruth, for example, um, Boaz is this very godly man who owns a lot of land. He's wealthy. He's well-established. He notices her. He mm-hmm. treats her kindly and with justice when she does not express any mm-hmm. romantic interest at all, when he's just mm-hmm. a relative of her mother-in-law and he's just doing the right thing. He makes sure that other men aren't sexually assaulting her when she's this unprotected mm-hmm. woman who's also a foreigner. So there's, if any woman would get sexually assaulted, it would be a good looking younger woman who is unprotected by men who is a foreigner mm-hmm. and out in the fields by herself. Right. And he makes very, he talks to his foreman about making sure she's protected. So she's, he's clearly this incredible, mm-hmm. incredible man. And for some reason he's single. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, so Ruth ends up with him, but she ends up with him because she is an incredibly godly woman who stays with her mother-in-law, though she doesn't have to, who believes in the Lord and follows mm-hmm. her back to Israel and goes out in the heat of the day for day after day after day, trying to find crumbs on the ground mm-hmm. in a already cut field that people have left behind called mm-hmm. gleaning right and like and then she doesn't marry one of the younger men and just like she, she's not like throwing her sexuality around and trying to get any man interested in mm-hmm. her and then she formally she kind of formally and secretly um sort of confronts boaz with his opportunity as mm-hmm. their redeemer right and so he finds her extremely godly mm-hmm. and chooses her um which would not be which was which was out of place in Israel because she was a Moabitess, mm-hmm. right? Moab is like this nationality they did not like, and for her to say, for him to say, "You're a foreign woman, and I'm gonna marry you," mm-hmm. was not normal. And so, but because Ruth was so godly, she was more an Israelite than any of the other Israelite women in his life, and she became this sort of like shining jewel and. Women just don't understand that oftentimes these younger women, they're like, oh, I just want this great guy. And they're not great. Mm. <clears throat> and they know their makeup is good and they know their hair looks good and they know that they're young and everything's in the right places. And they think like, well, that's what matters. And mm-hmm. because boys behave like that was what matters, mm-hmm. but not Boaz's, mm-hmm. not the godly men they're after. They're after other things. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. and so y- you've talked a little bit about like women saying, I want this great guy, but. And you're like, well, are you tending to yourself? Yeah. Yeah. And I think the the important thing about Ruth was that was her self forgetfulness, because I think um, there can be this when when your focus is on finding the right person, you're suddenly trying everything you can to get that person. And so I I don't know if if women can recognize this, but feeling like there's a guy in the room that you like and you want to talk to, you want to, you want to make yourself noticeable. You want to talk you to manipulate them. Manipulate the situation yeah. any way you can. It's flirting. 
basically. <laughs> but but you want, yeah, and you want to be where he's going to be. If you know he's in an event, you want to be there. And there's a lot of, but that is not self-forgetfulness. Self-forgetfulness in Ruth was she saw what, what God had before her and she was doing the task ahead of her and she was tending to her mother-in-law and she she wasn't trying to get Boaz by working in his field. She was trying to help and love her mother-in-law. And so I think the self-forgetfulness uh, that comes through self-sacrificial love and growing godliness is what someone like Boaz will notice. Um, and you won't have to try to like connive him into seeing you <laughs> because right. it'll be really obvious. Yeah. I think that what people sometimes, women sometimes don't recognize is men generally live up to what women expect of them. And, but it's, but it's not what women verbally expect of them. Mm-hmm. It's what they clearly value. And then they, so if a woman tries to look as good as she can look and she goes after the hottest guys, then all of the guys receive that message and they go, mm-hmm. Oh, all they care about is what I look like and how dominant I am in the boy mm-hmm. group. Um, it's when women send different signals about what they want, men pick those up and they go, Oh, this is the currency mm-hmm. because men are like men are very deeply rooted in this idea that they are competing for women's affections mm-hmm. and it's a ruthless game because they feel constantly rejected way more rejected. Like women think that they feel really rejected. I don't, I doubt that they feel as rejected hmm. as men feel. I think there's it's like a slow, constant burn for women, and for men, it's like these very hmm. str- big spikes of like just absolute rejection of being. Because because when women reject men, it's they're sending the signal, you're not good enough to mix my genetics with. Like you're just not, you're genetic garbage, and I'm not mixing my genetics with you, and it, that's very painful for males. You know what I mean? Hmm. And so. Um, they work very hard to compete to put themselves in a position where you'll say yes to them. And so um, women, what signals women send out of what they're looking for mm-hmm. affects what men live up to also. Mm-hmm. It's like it's this feedback loop between mm-hmm. the genders. And so when you've got vacuousness and shallowness between the genders and it's feeding, it, it, there's a feedback loop and the mm-hmm. genders become more focused on these shallow and vacuous things. And when you get a group of people, even in a subgroup in a church, let's say, who are saying, no, this is what we're after. Mm-hmm. We're after substance. You get a feedback loop within that group. And it's always funny to see new people come into it and they're like, you know, looking good. And then all of a sudden they realize that that's not the currency here. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what's, what's going on? I thought mm-hmm. all the girls would want me. And you're like, well, <laughs> you're kind of a jerk. And they know how to, we've taught these mm-hmm. women to pay attention to that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think this kind of gets into Number five, which says don't search for the right man Mm -hmm. or the one, but search for a suitable man. Mm -hmm. I think this has a couple. The first thing that comes to mind in that is that if if a woman is just looking for any guy to give her attention and isn't looking for the right kind of guy, that will continue to send the wrong signals to the men in that community that I am content with a guy who spends most of his time playing video games in his basement, or I am content with a guy who isn't a Christian and, but just gives me some bit of attention. And so it's going to continue to send, um, send not the kind of, uh, signals to the rest of the community that you're looking for. Mm. And now I think that this this was going in a different direction and we should also talk about that. But I do think that um, 
there should be some particular like standards that you have. And I, mm-hmm. I just, the yeah. one really practical thing that I just really want to say is don't date a non-Christian. It's very tempting, but yeah. don't do it because if you're, and I think we've said this before, but if this is not the type of person that you want to marry, then don't spend your time dating mm-hmm. them. Yeah, yeah. I think along with that, um, this gets back to sort of the, the competition and the drive to make yourself available and the drive to um, just try to make something happen. But um, I think in our culture, it's very, it's very widespread to look for the right person by just getting very emotionally and sexually entangled with each person at a time. And so I think you can look, you, you can look for the right kind of person by observing people before you're and then being friends with people but not in like a s- exclusive sense and so um for example when my husband and I were friends for three years before we started dating and the first year we we were more acquaint acquaintances we didn't know each other very well but we were in the same like circle of friends and that was that was the year that I I knew if if Tim ever asked me out I would want to marry him because and date him and marry him because I not marry him immediately, but you know what I mean. Um, I knew I would want to marry that kind of person because I saw him interacting with, I saw him serving. I saw him in the church. I saw him with his friends and I didn't, it was good that I did not try to make something happen immediately because I saw that. And I don't, I'm not trying to say you have to wait that long or that it has to take that long, but, um, we were also young. So, um, I, there's something to stepping back and watching and trusting God in that instead of like, I need to, I need to go all the way to having sex with someone to see if they're suitable for me because that's not the right, the way to find the right kind of person. Yeah. Another thing that I saw a lot on college campuses was, um, now not everybody has a great example of a father. And so that is also a plate here, but I would talk with students who did have these great examples of their dads and they would get asked out by, you know, 19, 20 year old college guys. And they're like, well, he's not this, this, and this. And they would start listing all these things. And I'm like, that sounds like things that a 50 year old man would learn, (laughs) not like what a 20 year old would know already. And we started to realize that's because they are like, they're expecting that. And, and, um, so you need to understand that like if, if there is good character, you see good character, you see um, a 20 year old who really wants to honor God and really is pursuing him. He is building a good foundation. He's got friends around him who are holding him accountable. He looks for mentors. He's committed to a church or to a community of Christians. Like those are really good key things, but he's not going to be like your 50 year old senior pastor is or mm-hmm. like your really godly grandfather is. Like he's not going to have the life experiences that allow him to be at that type of a godly man. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Matt Chandler said this years ago that you have, you normally you have to bet on trajectory. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But Scott and I you, talk about that a lot. You have to look at the trajectory and yeah. see if it really mm-hmm. is. Cause a lot of stuff will clean up over time. If they're highly devoted to God and yes. if they are highly devoted to be just godly people. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they tend to respect others yeah. and they mm-hmm. don't treat people like they're there just to serve them and, like there are these basic things that you can get yeah. in a 20 year old guy, but like great financial planning is probably not one of them <laughs> yes. you know, oftentimes. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, women can become really, really nitpicky and the mm-hmm. romantic comedy, 
um, entertainment <laughs> that we have surrounding us is not very helpful in that. And I'm like, I like a rom-com just as much as the next girl, but you've got to understand that this is fiction <laughs> that you're looking at and you have to know that. Um, but when you're, when you're in an actual relationship, it is so easy to think, it is so easy to think the grass is greener, that there's going to be somebody who is mm-hmm. who doesn't deal with all of these same struggles than the person who asked you out on a date. And that might be true, but they're going to have issues of their own. You are not going to ever meet a guy who asks you out on a date who doesn't deal with some sin temptation or who doesn't annoy you in some particular way. Mm-hmm. That's just never going to happen. And yeah. if you keep turning people down who are... Uh, who have good character, who are godly, who have done some of these foundational things that we're talking about, but it's because, yeah, well, they, you know, uh, chew with their mouth open. (laughs) And I really don't like that. Well, me neither. But there's not going to be the perfect person. You should tell them. That's something they can change. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's a really easy fix. (laughs) Yes, there are things that can change. Yeah, when you talk about like, you know, we tell people, you know, don't date people thinking you're going to change them. There are different things. Mm, Some things yeah. change easier than others. Right. I mean, I, I remember being in college and women marrying these guys that like really looked like schlubs. Mm-hmm. And then I'd see them a year later. They'd come back to like the big Christian retreat or something. And like these guys looked sharp. Yeah. They were like well-dressed and looking handsomer than I thought was possible, you know? And what they had done is they picked out this godly guy that like paid no attention to how they looked. And then they married them. They're like, look. <laughs> I'm going to buy some of your clothes. We're going to get this on track. You're going to get contacts. We're going to do this. And like they turn these guys into pretty like handsome dudes because, mm-hmm. you know, they were young and not and relatively fit, you know, mm-hmm. and, but they were willing to see past that stuff Yeah. because mm-hmm. what they wanted is a guy that was going to respect them and stay with them and love them. And they knew that they would do that. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's super wise. Yeah. You know? I saw that happen when I was a student. One of my best friends, she started dating this guy and it was like all of a sudden he was dressing really well. And we we're like, wow, we didn't know this about him. Well, it's because he started dating a really trendy, fashionable girl. And he mm-hmm. was such a godly, reliable, great guy. And then she just, you know, helped him pick out a shirt <laughs> that fit mm-hmm. him well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The things you can't change is someone loving God. And, yeah. and th- so that's what, if some, where Nicole said, don't date a non-Christian. Don't you, flirt to convert. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Yeah. I think an important thing to mention along with um, this theme is um, the expectation that women sometimes have that men are going to be able to meet them emotionally. And, emote the same way that they do and i think that is of that is something that is fictional in rom-coms as well and yes. I, and that's not reality you'll turn down Can, a lot of really great husbands yeah husband candidates for that yeah can i tell a funny story about that yeah scott and i went on our honeymoon and i don't even remember why i was really upset but i was very sad emotional we're just sitting in this very fancy hotel lobby i were dressed up and i'm just crying and like getting makeup all over me and then i start crying even more because i'm like you just don't know what to say the way that gabby does and gabby was my best friend we were college roommates and i was like well duh i had been living with her and i had known her for such a long time and she knew me really well and she was a girl and so there's just he didn't need to fill that role and I didn't know that and it's mm-hmm. okay that he didn't know mm-hmm. exactly the right thing to say to me in that moment the way that my best friend Gabby would have mm-hmm. that was okay that's why you need friends yes and also there's a I think there's a, a cultural lie that um that women know how to better emote emotion yeah to better emote and 
I think that's really just wrapped up in the live emotions being authentic and you should share whatever you're feeling. And yeah, so Jill, some, Jill, let me yeah. frame this because yes. this is this is a rant that we share. Yeah. Is that I think that there's a cultural bias towards believing that women are more emotionally healthy. Yeah. And they are considered more emotionally healthy because they emote more. They express their emotions more freely. And then you were saying that emotional freedom equates to authenticity. Mm-hmm. Authenticity is the greatest good in a morally mm-hmm. relative generation. And therefore, women are the emotionally healthy ones. Mm-hmm. And that that is incandescent poppycock. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. the worst kind of rancid tripe of an understanding of humanity that I can imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so here's something to consider. If you have written off a guy because they couldn't emote like you, think about if maybe they were actually more emotionally healthy than you are. Yeah. Especially- <laughs> and you don't mean by that, you're not saying that, you're saying that there is a far more level playing field there, that some women are emotionally healthy, but also some men are really emotionally healthy. And it's not this like pursuit of authenticity is not yeah. what we should strive for. Right. Yeah. Authenticity does not equate to emotional health. Right. Nor does a particular gender. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So there are. Yeah. So like there are certain. And what was so as human beings, we need to say what is humanly emotionally healthy, yeah. mm-hmm. which should not be gender specific. Correct. And then what are the besetting sins of emotional unhealthiness in women and in men? Mm-hmm. Because if you think women are naturally more emotionally healthy, so to speak, you will be completely blind to the besetting sins mm-hmm. of women. You'll know the male ones really well and it won't help you because you're a woman, mm-hmm. right? And so what you have to th- believe is you have to believe that the genders are basic have basic parity in terms of emotional health, probably. That's not necessarily true because mm-hmm. I don't want to get into equity bias there because it could be at certain times, certain one gender may have more pressure on it than another or certain things are expected mm-hmm. of one or the other. And so you could have a gender at any particular time that was at like by averages more emotionally healthy than the other because mm-hmm. for environmental reasons or so on. Um, that doesn't seem to be the case right now. Both seem to be pretty emotionally unhealthy just generally. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so I think you should know that like, yeah, so women can engage in all kinds of emotional diarrhea and think that they're being expressive right. and they're really just dumping all of their problems on other people and not being mature enough to handle them. Mm-hmm. And then there, but there, there are men that are emotionally inexpressive yeah. In ways that don't meet the the emotional and relational needs of other people. And that's very unhelpful too. And that is emotionally unhealthy because mm-hmm. you're not relating socially in a way yeah. that is mutually beneficial. Mm-hmm. But that's very different than a woman wanting to talk for an hour about something and a man not being interested in talking more than 15 minutes about it. Mm-hmm. Th- that's not an issue of emotional health. Mm-hmm. That's an issue of one of them being a dude and the other being a, a woman. Mm-hmm. And that's why she needs friends mm-hmm. that are also girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I give an example of something sure. that was helpful to me? So um, in the beginning of our marriage, um, I struggled a lot with insecurity and my insecurity would make me want to express what I was feeling in order to make Tim respond in a certain way to make me feel better. So, um, but basically my husband, so I would, I would be really upset and I didn't even realize I was insecure, but he would say like, you're, you're, that is wrong. <laughs> you I'm and he would not play into what I was looking for and that I think in our culture if someone saw that they'd be like wow that man is like emotionally abusive but it was exactly the cure I needed like that is what I needed him to do because it was bad for me and my relationship with God to be working my insecurity to get what I felt like I needed so that I would eventually just be more insecure and so I think that's an example where 
I don't know. It looked like he was emotionally unhealthy. Air quotes is what I'm doing. But I think it was actually he knew what the right emotional response was. Yeah, one of the great spoofs on this is that YouTube, the video on YouTube, it's not about the nail. Yeah. yeah. It, like the woman has this like nail on her forehead and she's like, I just feel like I have this pain. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he's like, and then he like says, you should take the nail out of your head, right? And, and she's like, oh, quit trying to fix everything. I just need you to hear me, you know? Mm-hmm. And there is this general stereotypical difference and I think this goes back to conversations we've had about child rearing too, mm-hmm. that like men are focused on competence. If we would all be more competent, our lives would all go better. And women are focused on nurturing, like, like close health and like immediate health. And like, so therefore they want to engage in a therapeutic response mm-hmm. rather than like a, like, like a weightlifting response. They want to come in as the doctor. The man wants to come in as the physical therapist, mm-hmm. right? And so it makes sense that a woman would be like, I know how you're feeling because mm-hmm. you need help right now. Mm-hmm. You need treatment right now. And the man's just kind of like, look, that knee's never going to hold weight if you don't, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and those are both right. Yeah. And yeah. if as a woman, your girlfriends are giving you therapy, the, the, that mm-hmm. close doctor therapy, then you need a husband who's going to be like, that is bull. Like, yeah. That's not right. And mm-hmm. that balance can be very yep. effective in your yep. life. It's a full healthcare system. Mm-hmm. If you just have some <laughs> yeah. friends. So true. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys, what others of these do you want to hit as long as we're uh, there's be more feminine and learn to understand masculinity seven and eight. Um, do you want to talk about that? The be more feminine? Uh, I guess I, yeah, I'll talk about it from a female perspective. Um, I, I used to be very insecure about how I looked and so I would hide how my basically how I looked with like baggy clothes and I didn't wear a lot of makeup and I was nervous about being noticed. And so, um, that was sort of a unintentional, intentional (laughs) put off to men. But, um, even just like, I don't think you have to be super girly. Like I'm not a super girly person. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not like interested in like spending a day at the spa and like, I don't know, painting my nails and stuff like that. But I think there's things that you can do to express yourself creatively. Um, I'm, I'm, for example, I really like, um, art and design. And so my wardrobe has become a way to design something like this color looks really unique with this color. And I like, um, these jeans with this. And so that's been fun for me, even though I used to be, it used to be really stressful and I hated like any shopping. I hated all of that for a long time. And I, it's hard for those who know me to believe that now, but, <laughs> um, but finding a way that you can enjoy it and expressing your femininity in a modest way, but that's very creative and true to who you are, I think is, it's actually really fun. As a girly girl, <laughs> this is not an excuse for vanity. And you know, when you're being vain, Yeah, I don't need to say more than that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like femininity can stand in for so many things in our culture. So like an excuse for vanity. Um, Sometimes women will hear guys say like, I don't like, I don't like when girls are all girly and you're like, Oh, well, what does that mean? And what they mean is like vacuous, foolish, like ridiculously emotional and those kinds of things, which are, they're not, those are not feminine characteristics. Those are caricatures of naturally feminine characteristics. And so I think what, what I would tell women is like, don't try to be more masculine, try to be more rightly formed feminine. Mm -hmm. 
Right. And that's going to be different for every woman too. You don't have to fit into a mold because some women, and Jill, it's great that you shared that example because there are women who are like, I just don't resonate with going to the spa. I love the spa. It's easy for me, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean you have to fit a mold, but there is a way to figure out what does it mean for me, the person that God has created me to be, to be feminine Mm -hmm. rightly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But but I think on average, it's going to look like things like more naturally and directly empathetic more willing to wanting to create nurturing spaces and environments and structures mm-hmm. within relationships in ways that men would not be quite as interested in. And like on the norm, there are things that are going to be more naturally feminine and you may naturally in your temperament be more masculine in certain ways. Mm-hmm. But even women who are highly masculine or who have like very high levels of testosterone, who are like athletes and stuff like that, that doesn't, that doesn't really knock out, their femininity it just makes them more competitive mm-hmm. like they, they have, Williams is a great example she's an incredible athlete and has a fashion line <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah doesn't knock her out yeah in, fact, yeah in the Packers game this last week there was a Microsoft ad for these two women and they're like we're the salmon, the salmon sisters, sisters yeah. yeah that's that's a fashion line like it looks like they're salmon fishermen and apparently they are <laughs> and then on the side they do a fashion line so they're professional like hmm. meat fishermen you yeah. know and then they have like these clothes that they do. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's cute. Like that's, cl- yeah. that's classic, man. But like we would, even when I was a wilderness leader, you would see this, that we would, if it was just me going out with like seven boys, you, you know, like people would poop next to their tent and like, it was just disgusting. It was just like disgusting male. Mm-hmm. There's just no civilization at all. But if you had one girl in the group or one female leader, the entire tender of everything changed. And even the civilization that the men created, they created it because the woman was there and because she was a woman and behaved like one. And so there are these incredible effects that femininity has on men and women that are extraordinarily positive, mm-hmm. that are quintessentially female, that even if you're a more masculine woman, mm-hmm. many of them are still right there. And you can be mm-hmm. you can be very feminine even as a quote more masculine woman. Mm-hmm. And if you get at the heart of what feminism is, instead of one of the cultural caricatures, you really can invest in that part of yourself. And I don't think, if you're a woman, I don't think you can grow in godliness as far as you need to go if you don't understand your femininity well and learn to inhabit it because you just, you're a woman and that's Mm -hmm. such a big part of who you are. In fact, I feel like this with men and I feel like this with myself as a man, that the more I've understood what it means to be a man the more I was then able to connect that with the gospel and then bring my masculinity around to a more gospel-centered masculinity. Mm-hmm. And I've seen this with my wife and my daughters, mm-hmm. that the more I've helped my daughters understand their femininity, naturally, not not trying to fit them into a certain girly mold or something, but just this is what it means to be a woman. These are fundamental things, right? They're more able to form their own personalities and character mm-hmm. and godliness by being like, okay, how do I put this together? And they have this raw material of understanding they can use. And I've seen my wife make have these realizations about her femininity mm-hmm. later in her life, like in her 30s, and now we're in when our we're in our 40s. And there's stuff that she learned in femininity or in feminism that was so profoundly unfeminine that it blocked her from understanding herself in very important ways. Mm-hmm. And some of those were specifically ways that femi- feminism said they were helping her embrace her womanhood. Yeah. And it was actually putting a psychological block in places of her womanhood. And it took her years to even sort that out and be like, oh, that's completely wrong. Mm-hmm. I should be more like this and I can go in this direction. And so I think if, if you're like, 
you know, 15 to 24, if you can get that straight as a woman, mm-hmm. I think you can be like, oh, because I think even in the workplace, there's pressure to be less like a woman mm-hmm. or to be self-righteous in bad femininity. They're like, well, women, women are going to take over the world. We're getting all the college degrees and the world is going to be feminine. Well, yeah, but feminine feminism, femininity has all of its own own horrible totalitarianisms Mm -hmm. and the world is going to have a lot of wars and everybody's going to be controlled if women are in charge too. And they don't realize how wicked they are. Mm -hmm. Just as that happened with men, not recognizing how wicked they are. If they're not, if they don't bind their masculinity to godliness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think two practical things for women to work through emotionally regarding what you're saying, Nick, and I've had to work through both of these. So I don't think it's a one or the other is insecurity. And then also sort of a, a spirit of, I don't need men in general, like, or I don't need a man. Right. I'm a woman, like hear me roar kind of yep. those two different things to work through insecurity. And then like a hyper independence. Yeah. I think for some women, some okay so this will be let's we'll make this our last point because we've gone a little long here um i talked to a number of women who are pretty feminine in the in the stereotypical ways of very feminine right we talked a little bit in the class about how there's like basically there's like one kind of man in terms of the hormonal structure psychologically and kind of two types of women they're like high testosterone women and they behave differently than low testosterone women, which is the majority of women. And this creates all kinds of problems in the feminist movement because the, the high-level feminist activists are almost all high-testosterone women. And so they feel like there's this whole group of women that are betraying them, you know. But what I, I've noticed there's a, n- a number of women, and this is much worse if you have a daddy wound, which we didn't talk about, we intended to, and it, that's a big topic. But if you've got a woman who's highly feminine, who has a daddy wound, and she wants to be feminine. She wants a man to love her as a feminine woman. And she thinks they're not. What's often really happening is she's broadcasting her insecurities. When she thinks she's being feminine, what she's really doing is broadcasting her insecurities. And that is repelling everyone. And then she thinks what men don't want or what even other female women don't want is her as this feminine woman. And it's actually not that. It's that she's very insecure. She's hurt with her daddy wound or whatever other wound it is. And she's broadcasting that insecurity and she, and she thinks that like, oh, there's something wrong with my femininity. And it's, it's not, there's something wrong with their personality because they've got this wound. And if they would, Mm -hmm. they would go see a counselor, if they would deal with that and they would, they would learn to sort out that issue and grow out of that insecurity, then they wouldn't have to change a darn thing about their femininity. And it would be found very attractive by both men and women, you know? All right. There's no good stopping place on this stuff. It could go on forever. So uh, I hope you've enjoyed this. If you've listened all this time, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Engage and Equip podcast. If you'd like to find more episodes, you can go online to highpointchurch.org slash podcast. You can also find us online on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, and other apps like that. We hope this episode was helpful to you as you grow in becoming a substantive disciple and a part of the local church. If this episode was helpful to you, rate or review us on Apple Podcasts or otherwise share this episode with a friend. Those are some of the best ways that we have to reach new listeners. So until next time, thanks for listening to this episode of Engage and Equip.